Uh, let's uh, go to God in prayer before we uh, open up his word today. God, we're grateful to you for the day that we've been given, for the grace that we have uh, to live this day. We pray that it's been used for your glory, um, both in our worship and in our everyday lives. We pray that as we go from this place and from the places in which we are, um, that your spirit would be a dominant and powerful presence in our lives, that we would have the wisdom to discern your voice amongst the many that pervade our minds, and that we would have the boldness to follow where you lead. And God, for these next few moments, as we open up your word, I pray for the wisdom to be still, for the courage to, to be willing to be receptive to the way your spirit would move within us. We want to be more like you. We want to be transformed, reshaped, renewed day by day, more and more into your image every day. Uh, that's not always an easy process to undertake. And it requires some wisdom on our part that can only come from your spirit within us. May we be available in those moments. We thank you for Jesus and the bond of unity we have in his blood. And the hope we have in his sacrifice. It's in his name we pray. Amen. We're starting a new uh, series of lessons this morning. It's called The Good Life. Um, everyone's looking for the good life, Right? Um, the, the best way to live. You've even heard some people say, man, I am living my best life. As if there's more than one to live. But that's the mentality that we have. Everyone is looking for the good life. Um, and, and everyone has an idea about what can make life good. Better. Best. An idea of the things that you should have. Of the kind of foods that you should eat. The kind of beverages that you should drink. The kind of friends that you should have. The kind of vacations that you should take. The kind of cars that you should drive. All so that you can have the good life. We're going to look at the good life. And we're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount. And usually when we talk about the Sermon on the Mount, we start in Matthew chapter 5. And we work through Matthew chapter 7. Um, but I'm going to do this Star Wars style, okay? We're going to start in Matthew chapter 7. And then week after week, we're going to work our way backwards and see kind of what comes before to set up the teachings that we have read. So we're going to be looking today at Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 uh, through 29. There we go. Let's go ahead and read this section of the Sermon on the Mount, and then we'll go through and talk about some of the things that we can take from it as we strive to live a good life in Christ. Jesus says these things to his disciples in verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate, difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, so you'll recognize them by their fruit. And Here's really what he gets to in this section. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name, and then I will announce to them I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. 
And for everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like the sensible man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded the house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house. And it collapsed, and its collapse was great. When Jesus had finished his sermon, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority, not like their scribes. And so there's a few things here as Jesus goes through the Sermon on the Mount as he kind of wraps up this sermon. There's, there's a lot of teachings that he throws at them all at once, but they all center around truly what it means to live the good life. In fact, the, the Sermon on the Mount has often been called the Constitution of Christianity. Um, if you want to know what it means to be a Christian, it's laid out pretty well in the Sermon on the Mount. A very succinct collection of statements that describe the kinds of mindset, the kinds of mentalities, the kinds of perspectives, the kind of choices that we will make as Christians. And as he wraps this up, he leaves them with some things that we can build on. And the first one that I want you to look at is this. The good life is the life that is built on Jesus. Right? It, it seems very simple, doesn't it? But really, that is the truth. If you want a good life, the good life is the one that is built on Jesus. If Jesus is the foundation, then anything that is built on the foundation of Christ is built on a good and solid foundation. It will weather the highs and the lows of life. Right? Jesus never promises his disciples, his followers, a pain-free existence, but he does promise them that those who are walking with me, those who have built their foundation on Christ, will be able to weather the things that life throws at them. They will endure, they will persevere. Because of his steadfast love and faithfulness. And he goes on to talk about some things here in this section. Uh, and he says, look, don't be deceived. Not just by the world, right? I'm accustomed to being deceived by the people of the world. And to, and to trying to influence me that one way is better than another. And all ways are better than the Christian way. Because the Christian way requires some sacrifice and some difficulty. He says, don't be deceived by those who claim to teach the truth like wolves in sheep's clothing. You got to know the foundation that you are building on. You got to know the truth of, of God's word for yourself. Don't be deceived even by your own religious activity. Because see, there are some times that I think I'm doing pretty good. And I look at my own actions, I look at my own life, I look at the things that I'm accomplishing, and I go, man, ain't life good. And it's possible for us to even deceive ourselves that we are godly because of the things that we are doing appear godly. Even these come to the, to the one at the end and say, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? And he will say, yes, you might have done that in my name. But I don't know. I don't know. Now go away from me, you lawbreakers. You see, it is easy for us to become focused on the wrong things, even spiritually, even in living a Christian life. 
Things that are important, casting out demons are important, prophesying is important. But he says, look, he's just talking, you're going to know by your fruit. You may have done some great things in my name, but the fruit of your life doesn't look like the fruit of the Spirit. And so he cautions us on this. The Sermon on the Mount has built upon, you have heard it said, but I say, not that do not murder is a bad law. But if all you're worried about is not murdering and you're harboring hate in your heart, you've missed the point of what it means to be godly people. To be Christian, to have a foundation that is built on Jesus means that that outward fruit is there, that the action is there, and those things are important, but they come from a heart that is pure and holy and godly. 1 Corinthians 13 talks at length about this very thing. He says, you may give your life to the flames, but if you don't have love, it's just noise. Resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. He says, be very cautious about the lives that you are leading. Let the actions that you live, let the things that you do flow from what is built on that true foundation of Jesus. That heart-changing, radically transforming power of Jesus to change me from within so that the fruit that I produce on the outside comes from a pure source. And he says, don't, don't wait for the real test to reveal what kind of foundation you've built on. Right, begin that from the beginning. Begin that from the beginning. When we, when we build a house, especially in this part of the country, I was talking with William about the house that they just built in Fairhope, right? They, they had hurricane grade hardware, lumber supports because they have built on the coast. Um, you know, ah, that'll work. Probably isn't gonna work when you have a nice big house elevated 10 or 15 feet in the air, right? You, you wanna be sure that you have built on a solid foundation, that those supports, that those structures are secure before the storm comes. So that when the storm comes, you are so confident in the foundation that you've built on that you're not just hoping that it withstands the pressure. Look, I have talked with people, I have helped people, I have worked in houses who were built on foundations that were just, yeah, that'll do. It might fail, it's not going to fail anytime soon. And I will have sold this house long before this foundation fails. And so it can be someone else's problem. It's far too easy for that to become our mentality when it comes to the kind of life that we are building. He gives us three images here um, to contrast real and fake disciples. He talks about gates, trees, and builders. He says many are going to claim to be from God. Many are going to think they are on the road to heaven. Only to receive a word from the Lord that they do not want to hear. I do not want to be among those who say or hear. I don't know. Don't wait for the real test to reveal the stability of your foundation. 
Build on the firm foundation from the very beginning, shoring up and mooring up places where we are weak and where we are strong, being secure in the one that we are building on, and the motivation for the life that we lead. And he talks about the way to heaven. Right? The way to heaven is narrow, it's close, and it is not obviously entered. It isn't a path that you just stumble upon. But it's one that you choose intentionally. But he takes us back to these images of ancient cities that are that are protected by walls, and the only ways in are gates. And, and they usually had one main road, and it was wide, and the gate was wide. And the people that traveled on that main road and that main gate were massive. That's what they were there for, the main point of entry. But what most people didn't know were there were narrower, narrower, more narrow roads and more narrow gates that you only knew about if you were invited privately or if you knew the city in an intimate fashion. If you were from there and knew it well, you could find those other points of entry. I think about the different places that we have gone. I went to Paris once as a senior in high school. And as a senior in high school, we went to all the things that you would anticipate we went to when you go to Paris. We went to the Champs-Élysées, we went to the Arc de Triomphe, uh, we went to the Louvre, only to see the Mona Lisa. We ran in the front of the Louvre, ran to the back, saw the Mona Lisa, took a picture, ran out. And do you know how much we missed? Like you could spend weeks in the Louvre and not see at all the history that is there. But you know, we wanted to see the touristy things. We went to the Eiffel Tower and we went to the top of the Eiffel Tower where you could still go. Well, not the top top, but the very top tier. We ate crepes and we ate pâté. We ate all the French things that you would anticipate. But I wonder how much of French culture we actually missed because all we were focused on were on the things that everyone goes to Paris to see. Everyone comes to New Orleans, and, and even my family said, ah, man, New Orleans. But the only thing they know of New Orleans is Bourbon Street. And I was like, oh, New Orleans is so much more than Bourbon Street. I'm not saying it's that different, but there's a whole lot of history to be found there. There's a whole lot more to Baton Rouge than just LSU's campus and, and Mike the Tiger's new beautiful enclosure. But you don't know those things until you get to know the city. Well, to know those things and those places, those, those places where you eat that a tourist doesn't necessarily know. People will come through your traffic and they say, where should we eat today? And I like, well, do you want to go eat where everyone eats? Or do you want me to tell you some little places that nobody knows about that'll give you some real Cajun food? You know what they want. They want the real stuff. They want to know what it's really like to have real food, not chain restaurants that you can find in any city, in any state. But in order to find those things, you have to do it willfully, intentionally, and choose to go and seek out those things that aren't on the, the main path. Because the easy thing to do is just to show up in New York City to get on the hop-on, hop-off bus and go see all the things that everybody wants to see. In doing so, you may see some pretty cool sights, but what you will miss out on it's what it truly means to, to be a person living in that space. A lot of people are content to just hop on the, the wide 
gate to, to walk through and to peruse the big grand things that Christianity has to offer, but they are not willing to do the hard work of finding those narrow paths and those narrow points of entry that lead you to true life in Christ. They're visitors, they're passerby, they're a tourist on the life of Christianity, but they are not people who are willing to invest wholly themselves in dwelling in the kingdom of the Lord. Choose willfully the path of Christ. Choose willfully the way of Christ. It's not always that wide, broad, easily traveled path. It requires work, it requires research, it often requires sacrifice. It requires us to give up some things that we have grown accustomed to, but in so doing, we embrace things that we never knew we needed, and we never knew we would cherish. You find some hidden gems that the rest of the world has spent their life seeking, and will continue to do so until they're willing to give those things up as well. See, the good life means that we have an anchor in Christ, an anchor in the Lord, despite any hardships that we may face. Jesus uses this illustration of two builders. The wise man built his house on the rocks, and the rains came tumbling down, right? You know what happened to the wise man's house when the rains came tumbling down and stood firm, but the foolish man built his house on the sand. You know what happens to sand when the rains come tumbling down. It's not a foundation to build on. You need something firm. This illustration indicates that you know hard times and suffering are going to come, but all of that work that we do to build that solid foundation means that we are able to endure and withstand the difficulties in life. The good life means that we are set, we are anchored, we are secure. That no matter what comes, because I know that our life, my life, the life in Christ is anchored in Christ, it means it doesn't matter what comes my way. He will hold me firm. He will hold me secure. And, and I hesitate to say, bring on the storms, because he can endure it, because I, I really don't want the storms. But I'm confident that I can endure them in Christ. That foundation is so crucial, isn't it? It's crucial in building, it's crucial in homes, it's crucial in your marriages, it's crucial in your families, it's crucial in your schooling, it's crucial in your careers. And it is crucial in your Christianity and in the life that you choose. Choosing the good life means choosing a life that is built on Jesus. A life that can weather the things that this world will throw at us. Please don't wait for the real test to reveal how stable your foundation is, but do the work to make sure that you are built on something firm. Choose the narrow path. Right? Choose the narrow path. Willfully enter into a relationship with Christ that goes and seeks out those things that are unknown. And be anchored in the Lord so that despite any of the, the challenges that may come, you know that your foundation will stand secure.
the good life, the life in Christ, is a life worth pursuing. Maybe you need to begin that life this morning. Maybe you need to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe there is some way that we can be in prayer for you. If you're watching online and you need us to be in prayer for you, uh, you can send us an email. You can answer that response card that's on our website. You can call the church office and leave us a message. If you're here in person, the baptistry is ready as it always is. We're always here to pray for you.